good morning, everybody. I'm Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I add my greeting to you. We're glad that you're here. And what a important question. Uh, are you good enough? And how can you know? And can you know in time? A lot of important questions there. So we're going to try to uh, dig in and respond to a number of those today. And we're going to be uh, addressing that over the next three weeks as well. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to this series that we're launching today, Am I Good Enough? And we're specifically zeroing in on the idea, is it that uh, good people, they go to heaven? Because that's uh, where the notion comes from, am I good enough? It is in response to the idea that good people go to heaven. Uh, we have been giving away Andy Stanley's book for probably a year or so. And uh, it's been a meaningful read for a lot of you. We're going to give them away next week. And that's because uh, we feel like this is a central issue for so many of us. Andy tells about the guy that, uh, who was not a Christian who approached him one day. And he said, you know what, I've got no beef with Christianity. In fact, I'd like to learn more about Christianity. But I just have such a hard time with the idea that there's only one way to heaven. Surely there must be more than one way to heaven. You've had that thought. You've had those conversations with other people, uh, basically uh, arriving at a conclusion that uh, all religions must be pretty much the same. They've got their little variances, their little differences, but they're all about being good people. They're all about ending up in the same place. They all connect with God in some kind of way. All those ideas are born out of that notion that there must be more than one way to heaven. I mean, he's a big God. A big God surely must have created more than one way to heaven. And all of that is birthed out of the idea that it is good people who go to heaven. So not just good Christians, right? But good Muslims, good Buddhists, good Hindus, good non-religious people. So in this way of thinking... It's not a system of belief that is right or wrong, not holding to the right doctrines, but it is this idea of being good enough, no matter what your beliefs or non-beliefs are. And what we want to do over these next few moments is we just want to examine that idea. I, today, I'm not even going to particularly try to convince you that Christianity is the way. I just want us to examine this notion about do good people go to heaven? Because the fact of the matter is, most in America who go to church believe good people go to heaven. Many of you in this room today believe that. I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation with somebody that would uh, basically come to a point where I would ask, uh, how do you know that you would go to heaven if you were to die today? And overwhelmingly, the response to that question is, well, I believe in Jesus and I try to be a really good person. It's always both of those, not always, but a great deal of the time, it's both of those ideas in the mind of a lot of church-going people. And so I want us to examine carefully and closely the idea of good people go to heaven. Now... If you are one of those that take a look at uh, Time Magazine, you'll be interested in the issue that came out this week. It basically is focusing in on 
kind of a superstar preacher in our country by the name of Rob Bell in a recent book that he's released uh, that basically contends that everybody's in. Everybody uh, will ultimately go to heaven because love wins. And that's the name of his book. And so the issue this week uh, addresses that whole notion, is there even in hell? But I want to take you back about a year and a half ago to another issue of Time magazine that uh, basically contended after a survey Nearly 90% of Americans believe there's a heaven. And nearly the same number believe they're going to go there when they die. Now, this idea of good people go to heaven seems right for several reasons. One of those reasons is that it strikes most of us as being fair. I mean, that's the way it works in my household, right? If you do good, good things happen. If you do bad, bad things happen. That's the way it happens in our society. Do good things, good things happen. Do bad things, go to jail. Do not pass go, do not collect $200. You know, it's, it just seems to be the kind of fairness that you see throughout society. And even the Bible contends story after story, good people have good things happen to them. Bad things happen to people that do bad things. And so it just kind of strikes us as fair. And it also kind of leans itself toward the fact that we make the cut. I mean, you're a good person, right? All the people in here that are bad today, would you just hold up your... Oh, okay. We, we took note of that. All right. But we tend to think, you know, now I'm not perfect... But aren't you glad people always lead in with that commentary? Because I, for a moment, I thought you might be. But thanks for reminding me you're not perfect, but you're a pretty good person. There may be a few people that are gooder. I'm going to really slay the language today. All right. There might be a few people that are better than you. But there are a whole lot of people that are worse than you. And so you fit that category of good. You seem to make the cut. And that's why this idea of good people go to heaven seems to fit. A third reason is that this is a a real motivator, right? This is good for society, for people to believe that good people go to heaven. Because after all, if it's good people that go to heaven, then I've got a pretty high motivation not to be bad. And if I have done some bad, then I want to make sure I have plenty of time to do more good than bad so I get in. And then another reason why it just seems right, it seems to be consistent with a good God. If a good God has created a good heaven, then it just makes sense it would be populated with good people. So these are the reasons why it just kind of seems right. And therefore, in our country, nearly 90% believe in heaven and almost the same number believe they're going there because they're, they're pretty good people. Now, what I'm going to suggest to you is this. We've hardly given any analysis to this presupposition. Almost everybody in America that holds to this kind of notion has given it very little, if any, analysis. And I'm just going to take a couple of minutes and analyze this with you, and you're going to see very quickly how this absolutely falls apart. It cannot stand. Here's the first problem. There is not a clear standard of what good is. You just heard that on the street interview. Are you a good person? I don't know. By whose standard? 
Is your own standard the standard that works? Is somebody else's standard the standard that works? Is God's standard the standard that works? And by the way, what is that? Now, if all good people go to heaven, you see, you can't even uh, call upon the Bible at that point to say, well, the Bible defines what's good and what's bad. Because in that notion that good people go to heaven, that means good Muslims, good Buddhists, good Hindus, good non-religious, etc. But for the sake of teasing this out a little bit more with those of us in the room, most of us who own Bibles, some of us who read Bibles, uh, most of us who would say the Bible is uh, true and we believe it. If we go that route and we go, okay, that's the standard then, friend, you're in deep trouble. If the Bible is your standard of goodness, you don't make the cut. I just don't know a nicer, easier way to say that. Because the Bible's standard is very, very high. If you're the, the Bible type, and you're going to go, well, I'm going to, I, I believe the Ten Commandments. I believe we're supposed to love God and, and love others as ourselves, and I try to keep the golden rule and do unto others as I'd have them do unto me. And so that's, you know, that's the standard. Of good. Friend, if, if that's the way you're going, you will not be good enough. So just to remind you what the Bible says, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, Everybody that has tried the Bible's way, tried the Bible's standard, failed. Everybody failed. Nobody made the cut. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. So everybody that tried to work the biblical system, nobody made it. Romans 3.20, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. There, there will never be a person that someday at the end of time or the end of life stands before God as judge and hear him say, you know, you did that uh, law thing so well, you're in. You did a good job. No one will ever hear that. In fact, the verse goes on to say, it's through the law that we have the knowledge of sin. See, the purpose of the law is to show us we can't make it by goodness. That's the whole purpose of the law. The law is not some stepladder that you accomplish this step and this step and this step and then you're good enough. No, the law is there to say nobody can be good enough. Now, even though I have these conversations with people, uh, sometimes, you know, we'll get to this point in the conversation and somebody will push back and they're like, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I all I know is I believe the Ten Commandments. I keep the Ten Commandments and I'm counting on that. Friend, if you are counting on keeping the Ten Commandments, you're in trouble. Now, take note of this. In the books of the Bible, where the commandments are found, you can run a computer search on this and find it just like that. In the books of the Bible, where the commandments are found, there is no mention of heaven. There is zero mention of afterlife. There is no reference, no implication 
about keeping laws at such a point that you can please God. And the reason why you won't find that is because that's not God's means. If you are looking at the Bible to show you the means of being able to go to heaven. So, for those of you that esteem the Bible and you go, well, that's my standard, then friend, you're in trouble. But I realize there's a lot of other people that, you know, may have a little uh, reverence for the Bible. You know, that's a pretty special kind of literature, but... There are other holy books, there are other holy scriptures, there are other religions, and basically I just think good people are going to go to heaven. There's something intrinsic to us so that we just kind of know what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. And you know, there is a degree of truth to that. I think there is something intrinsic. I think God does do something at creation that instills some sense of that. But we live in a fallen world. We live in a depraved world. Those intrinsic things absolutely are bent, broken, busted, and skewed. So that it's possible that one person is absolutely convinced this is true, right, and the way it ought to be. And this other person is absolutely, sincerely convinced this is true, right, and the way it ought to be. And these are polar opposites. Right? So if you're going to go by what's intrinsic to us, friend, we're in a lot of trouble because that definition, that standard of goodness is all over the place. I mean, where I grew up in the South, uh, it's within my memory. When I was a kid, I can remember... White congregations being convinced on biblical uh, platforms, biblical scriptures to back up their, the way they looked at things and thought about things, that whites and blacks ought not to congregate together and worship together. Now, what do we think about that today? I mean, most of us think they got that dead wrong. In fact, it's embarrassing. And, and something that we have deservedly sought to be repentant about. But at that time, man, they were just drop dead sure that's the truth. That's right. Take it back another couple of generations in World War II, and it was church people in Germany who thought it was right for Jews to be outcast and ostracized that ultimately led to the death camps and so many loss of life. Now, we, today, we look back on that and we, and we see it for the horror that it is, that it was. But at that time, there were good, clear biblical reasons in their mind as why to do that. And, and just bring it to current day, right? There are some people that are convinced it's right to blow up people that don't believe the way you believe. And then there are others that think it's absolutely wrong to blow up people because they don't believe the way you believe. So, friends, here's the major problem with good people go to heaven. What's the standard? Who says what's good? If you're going to go by what seems to be or what's intrinsic, we're in big trouble. If you even go by the Bible, we're in big trouble. Second thing I would lift up. As we analyze this idea that good people go to heaven is this. 
What level of goodness? Okay, let's say we can agree on a standard. We can't. But let's say we could. Then at what level do you have to acquire that goodness? Is it 51%? Just just over, you know, a little bit more good than bad? Is it 70%? That's how you pass at school. Is it 90, 95%? I mean, who knows? Because there is no clear picture of measurement out there for us to go by. I mean, it's very much like the teacher who begins her school year by addressing all of her students and saying, no, there's only going to be one test for this class. It's at the end of the semester. It's pass-fail. You're dismissed. Oh, hold it, hold it, hold it. I see that hand in the back. You had a question? Are there notes that go with this? Uh, no, there are no notes. What, what was that? A book to read? No, there's no, no book for you to read. Someone else that's taken this class that you could consult? No, no, there's, there's no one else that you can consult. Uh, any more questions? You're dismissed. Now, the idea that I've got to take a class and take a test to pass that class and I have no idea what the test is going to be about, what should have been studied, what should have been thought about, what should have been considered, is crazy. But that's what we're talking about on this good people go to heaven notion. It's kind of like the, the idea of a race where all the runners are gathered to an identified starting point And they get ready to fire the gun for the race to begin. And somebody goes, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. I don't, I don't see the finish line. Where's the finish line? He goes, oh, it's not out there for you to see yet. Well, is there some kind of marking on the raceway so that I know where I'm supposed to go? No, no, there's no markings of the the raceway. Well, how do I know when I cross the finish line? Uh, We'll tell you. (laughs) Ready, set, go. (laughs) You know, all the runners go in all these different directions. That's what we're talking about when there's not a clear standard nor a marking of what is pass-fail, what's good enough and what's not. And here's the last thing I'll say by way of analysis. To say good people are the ones that go to heaven basically makes a liar out of Jesus. I've had a lot of Jesus conversations with people through the years. And although there may be all kinds of questions or contentions with Christianity and certainly with the church, I hardly ever run into anybody that has any problem with Jesus as a person. I have never heard somebody say, well, I just think that stuff about uh, you've got to follow Jesus is just a lie. I've never heard anybody say that. Now, there, there may be somebody out there that might say that, but what they tend to say is, I don't think that's what he really said. Or I think somebody else said that or, or skewed that or, or transformed that, but, you know, he didn't really mean that. Nobody's ever said he's really a liar. But if you believe good people go to heaven, you make Jesus a liar. You go, how so? Well, it's like this. Jesus had a lot to say about being good. Okay? He had a lot to say about it. And in fact, uh, the most good people in his day were a, a group of religious leaders called, what, Pharisees. The Pharisees and the scribes, and sometimes the Sadducees. And 
on one occasion, there was a group of people kind of questioning him about the whole goodness factor. And, and these Pharisee guys over here, they were so good, nobody could even be compared to them. I mean, they were very meticulous, very careful about how they washed, how they ate, how they talked, how they observed every little nuance of life. And one day some people over here were asking him about goodness. And he said, you know what? Unless your goodness exceeds their goodness, you don't have a chance. You'll never get in. And by the way, to the Pharisees, your goodness is not good enough. That's what he said about good people going to heaven. In fact, he said, and you really have to hear this, because he's the only leader of a major religion that ever said this. He did not. He never said Good people go to heaven. He said, bad people go to heaven. He told all the bad people, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in. Because the point was, he chose to forgive them as they were repentant of their sin. And he proclaimed, forgiven people go to heaven. That's an eternity's worth of difference between good people go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Now, I want us to think about this from the scriptures for just a moment. And so if you have a Bible, you'll want to look with me in Luke's gospel. And um, we're going to be near the end of that gospel in the 23rd chapter. And if you're nervous because I'm just now bringing out the Bible this is not the beginning of the message. That, that was not introduction. We're almost through. So just hang with me, okay? Just, just a few more minutes. So in Luke chapter 23, we'll pick up in verse 32. Now, this is when Jesus has gone to the cross. And as you may recall, there were two thieves, two robbers that were crucified with him. Three crosses on a hill, right? And uh, Matthew's gospel tells us at one point, both of them are ridiculing, mocking, and jeering at Jesus. By the time Luke picks up the story, one of them is just mocking and jeering and ridiculing Jesus. And the other begins to take a different position and a different point of view. Look at it beginning with, uh, with me, beginning at verse 32. So two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull... There they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, 
since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receiving, we're receiving the due reward of our deeds. This is what we deserve. We've done bad. We deserve condemnation. We deserve crucifixion. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, if that doesn't answer the notion of whether good people go to heaven or not, I don't know what does. Here was a very, very bad guy who, by his own admission, says, I am justly receiving my condemnation. I deserve to be on this cross. Oh, Jesus, would you remember me? I'm sorry. I've been wrong. And Jesus forgives him and promises him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Forgiven people go to heaven. Not good people. And this highlights the huge piece of good news that the gospel is. Because Christianity is not about do. It's not about what you do or don't do. Christianity is about what Christ has done. He has died for your sin and my sin. He has atoned for that with a holy God. He has made it possible for us to be forgiven. And for us to be saved from condemnation. Christianity is not about what people do. It's about what Jesus has done. That's the good news. Because what we do will never, ever be good enough. What He has done is absolutely sufficient. Here's what the message of Christianity is. Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you believe that it's what Jesus has done and not what you do, whoever calls on Him can be forgiven and saved. John 14, 6 says, I am the way. Jesus is the way. Whoever will believe that, whoever will call upon him, can be saved. John 3.16, whoever believes that, whoever calls upon him, has eternal life. Everybody that goes to heaven goes the same way. Belief in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. And you go, Scott, I've always been trying to figure this thing out. What's that mean to believe in Jesus? To trust in Jesus. Let me illustrate it this way. Do I believe that stool can hold up this mass? 
Do I believe it as I am contemplating it right now? Do I believe it if I declare, I believe that stool can hold me and I'm going to tell people about that the rest of my life? That's not belief. That's not trust. Because the stool is not holding up my weight, holding up my mass. So let me ask you, do I believe now? Friends, this is where many, many, many American church-going people live. Because if you notice, I've got half my weight on my leg, half my weight on this stool. Do I believe that this stool can hold me up? Sort of. But just to make sure, if something happened to the stool and it got knocked out, I'm still standing on my own feet. This is, I believe in Jesus and good works, good deeds, being good enough. Friends, trust in Jesus is this right here where you've got your entire being on Jesus. And if it's wrong that Jesus is the way, you're hopeless because you bet it all on Jesus, not any of it on goodness. And I'm asking you today, do you trust Jesus? Not Jesus plus your goodness. Do you trust Jesus to hold you up for all eternity in the face of a holy God? So let me finish this way. Will you trust in him today? If you have to conclude and you go, you know what, Scott? I've, I've believed about Jesus and I've believed all that's true, but I've really also kind of been counting on my own goodness Will you put your whole complete trust in Jesus? Today has been about a divine appointment. For God to give you this invitation right now to fully trust him. A partial trust is not what saves. Jesus plus my goodness is not what forgives you of your sin. It's placing yourself fully upon Christ and what he has done. That saves you. Will you do that today? Now I'm going to ask you to indicate that to me by this way. On the back side of that connection card that we've already told you about. There's a little space that says, I, I want to have this kind of relationship with Jesus. I want to believe him in that kind of way. And, and if that's where you are today. Yes, I need to fully trust in him and in no other way. Then why don't you indicate that for me. So we can pray for you about it. Secondly. The Bible says that everybody that has fully trusted Jesus tells the world that by being baptized. Baptism is a way to proclaim, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a Jesus person. I'm counting on what he has done, not what I do. And next Sunday, week from today, we're going to baptize people that are saying that very thing. And if you think that you're at a point where you're ready to make that kind of stand for Christ and statement about your trust in Him, then you need to indicate on that card, talk to me about being baptized. Now, for the rest of us, you're trusting in Jesus. You've given a public evidence of that by being baptized. Will you invite somebody to our Easter worship next week? 
I am going to give one of the clearest presentations on how to trust Jesus that I know how to give, God being my helper. And if nothing else, this will provide a great opportunity for you to have conversation with your friend who has yet to trust Christ. Will you invite, will you bring on your arm that friend that they might be able to hear some good news about how to go to heaven? Let me pray for you about these things. So, Lord, thank you for allowing us to consider these matters today. We just sense even in this moment how your spirit is kind of stirring in our heart about these things. The friend that needs to fully trust you, I pray that they would have grace right now to fully trust you. For the person that has not seized the opportunity to show they're a follower by baptism, God, give them the courage and the ability to take that step. And for all of us, Father, will you give us favor with a friend that we can invite and bring to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.